0: As we come to the end of another year, as we have completed our study of the gospel according to John uh, last Lord's Day, it seems appropriate this morning that we, uh, before we begin our study of Paul's epistle to Titus, that we take a moment to reflect and to pray Just before his death in a jeep accident in 1997, Rich Mullins, the Poet Laureate of Contemporary Christian Music, he wrote a song entitled, My Deliverer. Joseph took his wife and her child and they went to Africa to escape the rage of a deadly king. There along the banks of the Nile, Jesus listened to the song that the captive children used to sing. They were singing, my deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing by. Through a dry and thirsty land, water from the Kenyan Heights pours itself out of Lake Sangra's broken heart. There in the Sahara winds, Jesus heard the whole world cry for the healing that would flow from his own scars. And the world was singing, my deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. He will never break his promise. He has written it upon the sky. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. I will never doubt his promise. Though I doubt my heart, I doubt my eyes, he will never break his promise. Though the stars should break faith with the sky, my Deliverer is coming. My Deliverer is standing by. Turn to Psalm 20. And as I read this Psalm of David, I want you to read it along with me as a prayer for Logansville Church, as a prayer, a petition for this assembly of Christians, for us this morning. So Psalm 20 says this. This is to the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Silah. May he grant you your heart's desire. And fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven. With the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the King. May he answer us when we call. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that this psalm of David, Psalm 20, that this would be our prayer even just this morning, that we would pray this for ourselves as a church, for our families here, for us each individually, Lord. Father, we pray that you would answer in the day of trouble and that the name of the God of Jacob would protect us. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Generally speaking, As one year comes to a close and another begins, we often have feelings of nostalgia, right? Sometimes there's excitement thinking about a new year, uh, New Year's resolutions that we will abandon by Saturday morning, probably. This year is probably a little bit different. This year, there seems to be thoughts of relief that 2020 is finally just about over. Maybe as we look ahead at 2021, we might even have a little bit of dread and apprehension. So let me ask you a philosophical question, okay? At the beginning of 2020, at the beginning of this year, would you have wanted to know the challenges or trials that you would be facing throughout the year? Not even necessarily what we would be facing as a society, but even just in your own life and in your own family. Would you want to know ahead of time the troubles that you would face? Some things might be good to plan for. We can all admit that. But I think that on the whole, I think we might not want to know specifics of what we will face in any given coming year. Because anticipation is often the worst part of difficulty, right? Think about when you're planning to go to the dentist. That drive to the dentist is the worst drive of your year. (laughs) Maybe I'm the only one. We know that when we are going to face difficulty, we sometimes get ourselves worked up, only to sometimes say after it's over, well, that wasn't so bad, right? But throughout the ages, as Christians have suffered, a common theme that has sustained them is God's mercy and provision. So think of what the Apostle Paul tells uh, tells us that Jesus said to him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So Paul tells us that Jesus says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul drew the conclusion then. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me we do not we do not know what the future will hold we don't know what 2021 will be like but we can we can see how things look we we can see a society that is growing more and more in its hatred of god can you see that we can see a, a world around us that is continuing and even more so to call uh, evil good and good evil we can see these things right Yet we know, and we need to remember, that the coming year is also going to bring rejoicing. So, for example, just in this congregation, we will rejoice at the birth of several new babies. We will rejoice at those things. We will rejoice at the marriage covenant union of at least one young couple. I trust that we will rejoice at souls that are given to Christ in redemption. We will rejoice at some who will obediently go into the waters of baptism and make that public profession of their faith and join this church in in covenant communion. So we will rejoice. We will rejoice as new members are brought into the fellowship. And I am sure that there will also come some times of weeping as well. And so through it all, we will rejoice with those who rejoice, and we will weep with those who weep, and we will remember Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 26, which says this, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never cease come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And so we wait. And yet, while we wait, one of the most important things that we can do, along with assembled worship, is pray. And so in Psalm 20, in just these nine verses, the psalmist helps us to understand how we are to respond to trials, to tribulations and troubles. And we should note right at the beginning that this is a prayer of King David And it's written, he even says, to the choir master. So it is written for congregational singing. This is written as instruction for the people of God to pray for their king. He's actually saying, pray for me in this. And by extension, pray for his kingdom. And so as we look at this, it's helpful, I think, to use um, three words as our outline this morning. But more than that, these are are three words that help us to to focus and direct our prayers as this year closes and the next year begins here in the next few days. Here are the three words. They're hope, faith, and trust. Hope, faith, and trust. So let's begin with focusing our minds on the hope that we have in Christ. Let me read again verses 1 through 5. Think of hope. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings in regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Think a minute of Jesus. All of Christ's days were days of trouble, right? Isaiah 53 describes him as this. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. "'as one from whom men hide their faces. "'He was despised and we esteemed him not.'" Now that's not to say that Jesus didn't have days filled with joy and laughter. I'm convinced that he did. He went to a a lot of parties, for example. But John summarized his life in John's gospel in this way. In chapter one, verses 10 and 11, He says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. From there, Jesus warned his followers of the troubles that they would face as well. Troubles that would come precisely because they were his people. Remember, as we studied John's gospel in chapter 15, listen to verse 18 to 25. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. There is trouble to come, Jesus assures us. (laughs) But the worst day of trouble began with a betrayal. And it ended with Jesus' words, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Charles Spurgeon in his Treasury of David, his uh, commentary on uh, the Psalms, he says this, it was a day of trouble with him when he was in the garden Heavy and sore amazed, and his sweat was as it were drops of blood falling to the ground, and his soul was exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. But more especially, this was his case when he hung upon the cross, when he bore all the sins of his people, endured the wrath of his father, and was forsaken by him. Yet, through it all, through that incredible day of trouble for the Lord, He prayed. He prayed, Jesus Christ prayed to his Father. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Or even praying from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so to quote my friend Rich again, there's bound to come some trouble to your life. But that ain't nothing to be afraid of. There's bound to come some trouble to your life, but that ain't no reason to fear. I know there's bound to come some trouble to your life, but reach out to Jesus. Hold on tight. He's been there before, and he knows what it's like. You'll find he's there. And he has promised that he always lives to intercede for us. Because of Christ, we have hope. Because God answers Jesus' prayers, we have hope that he will answer our prayers because he always, Jesus always lives to intercede for us. So let your eyes just look down verses 1 through 5 there of Psalm 20. Just, Just look through those verses. Look for the repetition. Notice that every verse begins with the word may. Sometimes it's in the verse more than once. So what's happening in these verses? Is this about well-wishing? Sort of the typical um, thoughts and prayers that we read about in the comments sections on social media when we share about troubles of our own, tragedies? Is it just sort of those well-wishing? Or is it more than that? I would argue that it's much more than that in these 5 verses Psalm 20 verses 1 through 5 there are 7 prayers connected to hoping in God's help and each of these teach us how we ought to be praying for one another and for ourselves do you understand that the the scriptures ought to be informing our prayer lives God's word should be informing our prayer lives. The Bible, the word of God, very clearly teaches us in many and varied ways to pray. It would be, um, if we would just incorporate Bible reading and meditating on scripture into our prayer times, we would know better how to pray for one another. And I know that many of you do that. So before we go on, let me give you one of my own personal prayer requests for this coming year. Um, In light of this, it comes from the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I've shared this as a prayer request before. This is how the Ephesians am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Would you pray that for me this year? That I would declare God's word boldly as I ought to speak? Well, as we look at Psalm 20, it seems clear that David, King David, was facing trouble of some kind. And verse 7 makes mentions of some Uh, weapons of warfare. So he's probably facing a war. We know from David's life, and specifically in 2 Samuel, that he was often at war, uh, even before he was king. Clearly, David needs the prayers of God's people. But trouble of any kind tends to clarify our priorities. So if 2020 has shown us anything, it's that difficulties and troubles tend to reveal our hearts don't they? my hope and prayer for you is that the troubles and difficulties that we've faced and that we are facing in the future whatever they may be that they will also focus our hearts and therefore our prayers so what specifically did David request Or, or we could say How then should we pray? Look at the verbs of these prayers. Look at what David is asking God to do. He's asking God to answer you, protect you, send you help, give you support. He's asking God to remember, to regard, to grant, to fulfill. And so as you consider these prayers, ask yourself this. What kind of hope does this give us? What kind of hope does this give us as the people of God? It's not an empty hope. In fact, let's look at the answers to these seven prayers. The first answer is this. God hears. Just look at verse 1. The first prayer in verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. God hears. David's request is that God would hear this prayer. O Lord, hear our prayers. That's a, that's a common refrain in the scriptures. Psalm 86, verse 6, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. Psalm 102, verse 1, hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Yet these are not, these are not prayers of resignation, Where the prayer is banging on a door hoping that somebody on the other side of the door wakes up and listens to him. These are prayers of confidence. We are confident that God hears our prayers. Remember back when we were studying in Sunday school, Genesis and Exodus. The beginning of Exodus in chapter 2 verses 23, 24, and 25 says this. During those days the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. And the rest of the Pentateuch, Is God acting? We could say the rest of the Bible is God acting. He does. He fulfills his promises. He hears our prayers. He hears our groanings. God hears. Number two, God protects. The second half of verse one, May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Notice the the connection with the name of God. His protection of his own people is deeply connected to his own name. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 18, verse 10, which says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A strong tower. When Moses led God's people out of their Egyptian slavery, he led them in God's name. Remember? Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 says, Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. In the New Testament, Jesus taught us to pray in his name. Remember John 14? Verses 13 and 14 says this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And his name, the name of God, is the, reflects the power of the one to whom it belongs. And so we hope in the name of the Lord. We hope in his name as a strong tower, because God protects God protects. Number three, God provides. Look at verse two. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. Sanctuary is a place of protection, a place of provision. It's a place that we can go to for safety and, and refuge. Zion was the mount of Jerusalem, the place of the temple, the place where God dwelled with his people. And so in prayer, we go to God for help. We ask him to meet all of our needs. And you know what? He is able. He is able to meet all of our needs. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and God is able to make all all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work God provides the grace that we need Hebrews 14 verse 6 or 4 verse 16 says let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace in prayer that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need If you ask me anything in my name, I will give it to you. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace where Christ himself sits, that we may receive what we need, which is mercy and grace. God provides. God forgives. God forgives. Look at verse 3. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Again, this is Old Testament, so we are understanding this to be that David's request is that the people's acts of worship would be acceptable to the Lord. There have been times in history, um, times throughout redemptive history, where offerings and sacrifices of worship were not acceptable to God. Malachi chapter one, verse 10 says this. Just consider this. This is the Lord speaking to his own people. And God himself says to the people as they come to him in worship, he says, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle the fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 to 23. Again, the Lord says to his own people, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. I hope you understand as you read those warnings that we don't get to say, well, God knows my heart. Because the truth is, He does know your heart. And that's the problem. But God forgives. God forgives. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives. And right here, the psalmist actually tells us to stop and consider that. That's what that little word, salah, S-E-L-A-H, it's probably in italics and off to the right in that column. That's what that word means. It means stop, pause, reflect on these things. Reflect on the fact that God hears, that God protects, that God provides, and that God forgives sila Reflect on that for a minute. Just stop and think about that. God hears. God protects. God provides. God forgives. And God fulfills. Look at verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. God answers our prayers. Jesus promised, if, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And, and he doesn't say that simply as a, as a genie granting a wish, right? But he says that he will grant these prayers for our good and for his glory. In fact, Jesus himself also taught us to pray like this from Matthew chapter six. This is from his prayer as he is teaching us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God fulfills his plans and his promises. God fulfills. May your plans be his plans. May we do these things in the name of God. And God delivers Verse 5. May we shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. Look at the faith in that. May we shout for joy over your salvation. David is praying that they would soon be able to rejoice in answered prayer. Do you believe that God delivers? Do you believe that God answers our prayers, that He delivers us from our day of trouble? One of the things that we see in verse 5, remember, David is specifically, most likely, praying about warfare, leading people into battle, literally. Verse 5 is about victory. He's hoping in God's fulfillment of His promises, he expects to worship God with joy. Banners that have been used in warfare are now going to be used in worship because he has rescued them, because God has rescued and delivered his people. He's looking forward to rejoicing in that day, the day that God delivers. And then finally, at the end of verse 5, God answers May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. God answers. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, if, and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. We know that. This is the hope that we pray with. This is not a, a baseless, empty hope. Man, I hope there's a good hope birthday cake on the counter when we when I get home. I don't know that's probably a baseless empty hope cuz we have a lot of leftover pie. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, honey. We pray with a hope that we know God will fulfill God will answer our prayers. Romans 15:13 says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We pray with hope that the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may abound in hope. Advent is the greatest answer to prayer of all time. Is it not? Advent is the greatest answer to prayer of all time. Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, is the greatest answer to prayer because it reminds us that God has intervened in our trouble. He hears. He protects. He provides. He forgives. He fulfills. He delivers. He answers through his Son, through Jesus Christ. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God hears. He sees. He listens to our prayers. He delivers us. The God of hope. And so we pray, and we pray with hope, but we also pray with faith, hope and faith. Look at verse 6. The psalmist writes, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Faith is defined in Hebrews, um, so the best scriptural definition of the word faith is the assurance things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is essential to our salvation. Faith is what saved Abraham. Genesis 15, 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And it is faith that saves us, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Faith is the free gift of God. And for God's people, our faith in Him, in Christ, is to be growing through prayer and meditating on Scripture. Our faith grows as we see His continued faithfulness. Our faith doesn't grow because of anything that we've done. Our faith grows because we see his continued faithfulness. Psalm 20 expresses this kind of confidence, this faith in God's ability to save. That's what we see in verse six. And we see there's a shift there between the first five verses and verse six. There's a shift in in the voice, in the tone of the psalm. After praying for those seven requests in those first five verses, we are now to proclaim what we believe, what we know to be true. The first thing is this, God saves his anointed. The Lord saves his anointed. Now, this of course has a double meaning. This is referring to the king, the anointed king of Israel. It's referring to King David, but of course, this is also about the Messiah, this is also about Jesus. Our confidence is in Christ, not on earthly kings. Christ is the one who was even raised. Psalm 16, verse 10, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One seek corruption. Christ did not stay in the tomb, but rose again. This is a promise uh, on the, of, the, of the power and faithfulness of God. And we need to remember, Christ is his anointed here. So he saves us because we are his. He saves us because he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He saves us because of who Christ is. Because we are his own. And he will answer our prayers as he has promised. And so Christ sits at God's right hand where he always lives to intercede for us. He will answer from his holy heaven and he will answer with the saving might of his right hand that means he will answer with power that's not some kind of charismatic craziness this is the power that's even more than that it's the power of ephesians chapter 2 think of the power in this verse and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's power. That is the resurrection. That is, we were once dead and now we are alive. That's the power with which God answers our prayers. So as we pray, we should consider, for example, the words of the Lord to Habakkuk. God said this to that minor prophet in the Old Testament. He said, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Can we watch the news with that in mind? Can we watch our own families and see what happens as 2021 unfolds with this in mind? The look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. A little later in the book, he says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it, for still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. My deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing by. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 35, says this, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For, yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That's us. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are rather the ones who stand, rise and stand upright, as verse 8 says. As Hebrews chapter 12 begins, we read this Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where, we remember, he always lives to intercede for us. We know that the Lord saves his own, and so we pray with hope and with faith. We also pray with trust. Trust Verses 7 and 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. We all trust in something, right? Just as David was preparing for a battle, we too are preparing for a spiritual battle. But I have to ask, in what are you trusting especially these days. As 2020 finally comes to a close, in what are you trusting? Are you trusting in American freedoms? Are you trusting in the Constitution? Are you trusting in scientific advancements or whatever? Those are good things to trust in, by the way. I am not in any way denigrating American freedoms or our Constitution, I think it's important. Some of you have fought for those things. But we can see them slipping away, kind of in slow motion. And if we trust solely in them, then we are trusting in chariots and horses, ultimately. And every time, eventually, they will collapse and fall. Why do people trust in those things? Whatever the things are, chariots and horses. Why do people trust in those things? It's because they tend to work, at least for a little while. They win battles, but ultimately, the wheels fall off. The horses get old. Or a new king comes to power who does not trust in God's promises, who does not trust in God's name, who does not know Joseph but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And as it says here in verse eight, we will rise and stand upright, not because of anything that we've done, all because of what King Jesus has done. And so we pray, O oh Lord, save the King. May he answer us when we call, verse nine. We pray knowing That to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so we pray, looking at the king that God has already saved. King Jesus, who has risen from the dead. He would not let his Holy One see corruption. We pray to a king who has already been victorious over sin and death. We pray knowing That to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so we are to keep praying. My admonition to you today is to keep praying. Keep looking to Christ. He is faithful and just and will answer when we call on him. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. He will never break his promise. He has written it upon the sky. My deliverer is coming. Oh, Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Pray with me. Lord, this is our prayer. We can have hope, not an empty hope, but a hope that is fulfilled, a hope that is already victorious because Christ has been victorious over sin and death, because he has risen from the dead, because he has purchased for himself a people for his own possession, Lord, we can pray with hope until the day when our our hope and our faith become sight. Lord, we can pray with faith, which is the assurance of the things that we are hoping for, the conviction of the things that we can't yet see. Lord, strengthen our faith and we can trust in him, a savior who delivers a savior who answers prayers, a savior who has already been victorious. Father, I pray that we would trust in our Lord, the name of the Lord, our God, that we might rise and stand upright as we run to, his, to your strong tower. Lord, as we come to the table this morning to proclaim Jesus' death until he comes, we are reminded in a, in a tangible way of the hope and the faith and the trust that we have in Christ as we proclaim Jesus' death until he returns. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us today. Strengthen us as this year comes to a close and a new one opens. Strengthen our hope, our faith, and our trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.